We got to out-block them. We got to out-tackle them. We got to out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. This is the week three college football podcast betting preview, the dream preview. I'm AJ Hoffman, joined by Scott Seidenberg. And I'll listen, we said after week one, whoo, thank goodness the contest didn't start till week two. Week two was strong for us. Uh, first, well, first, let's cover the contest itself. Contest is different than we thought it would be, it's, 100%. It's much different. Uh, eight picks we knew about, eight picks, and all the spreads are half spreads. So we expect that some of the half spreads are going to go on to the favorites, giving the dogs a little bit of value. But it's going to be interesting to see when the picks come out every week. The picks do come out on Thursday so, Which is late. So It's very late. So we're having to kind of project what we think the line will be. And again, this is going to be, there's going to be more movement than we expected. But also, when we went to the, we, we go to the window uh, last week to put in our picks, a lot of the games we were hoping to play weren't on the contest. Yeah, they only give you 30 games to choose from to make your eight selections. Now, that's going to matter less this week because there's a lot of FBS versus FCS games this week. So almost, not all of them, but almost all of the FBS versus mm-hmm. FBS games are going to be on the card. But last week, I mean, there was a lot of games that, that didn't make it, and some of them were really weird. It was like uh, Colorado, uh, or was it Colorado State and Army? Was no, it was UTSA, UTSA and Army, and Army. was not available, but, but Navy Memphis was available. Yeah, and the Air Force game was available. So it's like, <laughs> why, why is that one? It's so, listen, there's a lot of randomness to this contest. I don't fully understand how they're going to pick these games every week. What we're going to do is we're going to give you our, our eight best projected plays, the plays that we hope will make it. Uh, if we like a game at, at plus four, and or or plus you know three and they give it uh, at three and a half we're gonna love it if they give it at two and a half it may not make the card yeah uh, I'll I'll just throw it out there I I was liking Houston this week at ten I like Houston at ten if the contest makes it ten and a half it's not gonna make our card and mm-hmm. what we're seeing is most of the time it looks like the favorite is going to get the half point edge if. Like, you're going to have to pay that half-point tax on the favorite in this contest. Yeah, that's what I assume. Just based on looking at the contest card for week one, I assume it's going to be that, where they're going to tax the favorite by the half a point, which does provide some value on the underdogs. Uh, I will update the standings here. So we went 6-2 and two on our card, and we tweeted out at Scott's on Air, at AJ is the Real, the card, the final card, because we knew there were games that were different than we discussed on the podcast. We'll yeah. do the same thing this week and re- pretty much every week moving forward to uh, assure you that you guys get the picks that we're going to play on the contest. So we went 6-2, and two, and looking at the standings here, uh, over 400 entries into the William Hill College Pick'em Contest. What's only, the overlay, by the way? A little less than 100K oh, yeah. because it's a 500,000 guarantee. Okay. And about 400 entries. So right. we're a little less than at that $100,000, which is, you know, it's still an overlay. Any overlay is good. No doubt. But I was excited when they said it was like a 200 and something thousand dollar overlay, but we're still good. Anyway, only one contestant won a perfect 8 0 in week one. 10 entries 
went seven and one, and then there's us in the next grouping at six and two. Okay, and there, there's I mean it's only thirty. Yeah, we're in the top ten percent of this thing right now, so that's a that's a good start, no doubt. Um, how many people went zero and or, or like zero and eight or one and seven? Ooh, because that to me. You start out that bad, you start out 1-7, and 0-8, oh that increases the overlay. It's real hard to come back from an 0-8 oh start to the season. Nobody went 0-8. Oh Damn it. Right. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And there's about, let's see, uh, there's a good amount of people that went 1-7. I would have thought that there would have been an 0-8 oh on someone who just forgot to submit. That yeah, tends nah, to happen. I mean, not in week one. It happened in Circus Survivor. Like, there was 20-something entries who just didn't wow. submit for week one. Those were probably up people that, that, that didn't realize that they needed a proxy. Yeah. They came to town, signed up, and then went to their app and was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna enter my picks." And oh, I can't, like, I can't do it. it. Yeah, that that's what I think happened. But the majority of this pool went either. Um, there's a lot of four and fours, three and five, really, and two and six uh, seems to be the bulk of the entries. Listen, I, I'm pleased with the way we ended up because this was. I, it was a week where a lot of the the chalk, the the big favorites, the 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 popular premier teams, they lost. They not just lost, but they they lost against the spread. Certainly, the top eight teams in the AP poll all uh, ATS losers. Mm-hmm. So, and there were some of them that were so public. Like, how many people did you know betting Texas? Um, not many. No. Everybody was like, oh, Alabama, because it was hovering there 20 and a half, 20 and a half. And Nick Saban's record against his former assistants. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's a that's a big kick in the balls for the, for the people in these contests. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people who thought Oklahoma was going to run away from Kent State. Oklahoma's offense didn't work. It was just a, a really weird week. I mean, obviously Notre Dame losing outright. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, Texas A&M losing outright. Those were big things for these contests. And Luckily, we were on. We weren't on any of those games. the the only The only game that we were on really featuring a premier team was USC, mm-hmm. and they got there. So, yep. uh, good start for us. Let's hope that we can keep it up. Uh, the what was our? We had a, our best bet last week. We went with UTSA, uh, UTSA and it covered overtime winner. Now there are some people who will say. If it goes to overtime, you should count that as a loss. Okay, count it as a loss. But <laughs> I'm counting it as a win because it cashed. So uh, let's get into this week's action. Um, you went first last week. I will take the lead this week, and I'm going to go outside my box a little bit. You've been kind of the favorites guy here. I've got one that I love this week, though. Minnesota minus 27. It's a big number. Hosting Colorado. And my when I first looked at this number, I thought, man, can Minnesota cover that? They're so slow. They they their pacing is so slow. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at what Colorado's done, game against New Mexico State, uh, or excuse me, what Minnesota's done, a game against New Mexico State and Western Illinois, two crummy teams. They outscored them a hundred to ten in those two <laughs> games. So New Mexico, Minnesota, as slow as they are, they're putting up fifty points a game. And I know you're going to say, well, it's New Mexico State and Western Illinois. I'm here to tell you Colorado is, if if not the worst Power 5 team, they're right in that conversation. Yeah, we talked about this in our Week 0 podcast when we were kind of flirting with the idea of TCU against Colorado. And I think they are without question the worst Power 5 defense. I don't think that's matched here. So 
This Colorado team, I, I don't know how they slow down this offense. They're allowing 40 points per game against Air Force and TCU. <laughs> Colorado gave up 425 rushing yards to Air Force this week. And now you face one of the best Power 5 rushing attacks in Minnesota, a team that runs about 60, 65% of the time. Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, yeah, Muhammad Ibrahim, one of the best running backs in the country. Looks pretty healthy to me after injuring himself in that Ohio State game last year. Uh, I think the Gophers absolutely blow this team out of the water. So Minnesota minus 27 is going to be my first submission for this thing. All right. We'll go from a big favorite to a small favorite. And don't worry, we'll get back to the big favorites. Trust me, because I have some on my card here. I'm going with Washington, and I'm laying three here against Michigan State. Now, this is important because the spread is moving. Okay, we do have movement on this spread. There are several books that are still posting threes. So find the books that are posting threes and get the threes. Uh, The South Point has a three. DraftKings has a three. Uh, Some of the online books have threes. So the question is, for the contest purposes, do you think we're going to get three, three and a half or two and a half? It seems like it's it's shading towards three and a half, I would say three and a half because they tax favorites, but Michigan State is a more popular team. So will they tax Michigan State here? And make it two and a half. I mean, I think that's the question. But it, let's say when you show up to to submit our ticket, and it's a three and a half. Mm-hmm. What, what's the what's the take there? Do we? I, I still like it. And and let me let me break this thing down. But Can't, do we like it as one of? Do you like it as one of your four favorites mm, of the week? Is the question? Depending on what the other spreads okay. are. But uh, right now, I, I do think Washington does cover the three. I think they win this game probably by a touchdown, maybe even more. Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix. What a match, right? Like, these two were together in Indiana, and when DeBoer was Michael Penix's OC, he was he had a great season, right? He emerged as a legit All-American-type quarterback. Now, Kalen DeBoer is the head coach at Washington. He brings Penix in. Penix looks healthy. The Huskies are 2-0. They're averaging 48.5 points per game, 571 yards of offense per game. Penix is thrown for 682 yards and six touchdowns with just one interception. Now they get Michigan State, obviously a step up in class, but it's Michigan State's first road trip of the season. The secondary allowed 200 passing yards a game to Western Michigan and Akron. Now they're in for a much different offense in Washington. Plus... They lost two defensive starters in the opening game, Xavier Henderson and Darius Snow. And you can overcome missing players against Akron, but you don't overcome missing starters against the Huskies. Sparty may also be without Jaden Reed, starting wide receiver. He left the Akron game, and they say he's been sore and limited in practice. They don't know what's up. But the the travel here is going to come into play. It's just the sixth time that Michigan State has gone out to the West Coast in the last 35 years. They're 0-5 in the previous five trips. Now, you could say, yeah, it's 35 years. It's a, it, there's a lot of things in there. But anyway, Mel Tucker acknowledged that there's going to be difficulties traveling over 2,000 miles out West for the team's first road trip of the season. What time is that game at? Uh, the game is at uh, tonight game. Okay. Oh, well, it's a 4.30 Pacific time game. Okay. Okay. But Mel Tucker said that they're doing things differently this week. 
to prepare for the travel. So the staff's working differently. The sports medicine people are working things. They're trying to get these guys prepared for the long travel and to play this game. That may sound good, right? You may it may sound like, hey, they're they're preparing, they're doing things like Bill you, Belichick going to Miami. But a couple. <laughs> have that work out for him. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like you're changing things, and I don't like change. Athletes are creatures of habit. They've gotten into a rhythm here through spring practice, through fall practice, through the first two weeks of the regular season, and now you're changing things up on them to get them ready for this road trip against a non-conference opponent? I think Washington at home does their job and comes away with a big win here against Michigan State. Uh, I don't hate it. If three, I'm... I'm Iffy at three and a half, so I'm curious to see how the uh, how the line comes out for our contest here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay uh, in with a Pac-12 team, and I'm gonna go with Cal plus eleven at Notre Dame. And these are two offenses that are pretty putrid. Mm. Um, Notre Dame's offense was bad with Tyler Buckner. <sighs> with Drew Pine, I I think it's gonna be just a disaster. This is it, they've been so conservative offensively 4.7 yards per play against Marshall the running backs were under three yards per carry and now you instead of Tyler Buckner you've got Drew Pine who threw for 20 yards on six passes (laughs) including a pick six so Cal hasn't been tested much but they are top 25 in defensive S&P plus and then Notre Dame, not only is Tyler Buckner their better quarterback option, he's the best runner they had. So you take that aspect away from things. I think Cal's able to tee off on this team. I'm not crazy about the Cal offense myself. Listen, I, I'm not trying to tell you Cal is good. I, we, I was against them last week with UNLV. Mm-hmm. But Cal as an 11 po- a double-digit dog against a team that I don't think is going to be able to get much put up on the scoreboard. Total's 41. 11 points is a lot in a game that's a total of 41. So, uh, especially against a team breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, And listen, what we've seen so far of Marcus Freeman, you go back to the bowl game last year and the two games this year, the offense is bad. And I don't know where you think the offense is suddenly going to find this spark. It doesn't exist on this roster. So, I give me Cal getting double digits plus 11. Uh, I, I like them in this spot here. I think they can hang. And we're hoping that it'll be 11 and a half. Sure. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be 10 and, but 10 and a half, 11 and a half. I don't yeah. think there's much difference there. So, that's another reason why I kind of like that number, uh, which is uh, that scares me a little bit on the Minnesota play for the contest because 27 and a half, you know, yeah. it, I mean, it's not like. 27 is like a key, key number, Mm -hmm. but I'd certainly rather 26 and a half than 27. Absolutely. All right, we might as well stay out west, right, and and, and stay with the Pac-12 since that's kind of where we are here. And uh, this pick might not be popular, but that's good because I like going against the public. Fresno State catching 12 at USC. This line has gone down from the opener of 13 and a half which means that there's money coming in on Fresno State, despite the majority of the bets being on the USC Trojans. So smart money, smart money, make money. (laughs) Here's what I like. 
First of all, I should I should just say I like USC a lot. <laughs> I was on them last week laying the big number at Stanford. They did well. Do you realize that they, I like USC's offense a lot? Do you realize that they <laughs> didn't have they didn't face a third down against Stanford until their sixth possession of the game? No, oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> they went their first five drives without facing a third down against Stanford. That's how good their offense is. They're going to score against Fresno State. I agree. I have no doubt. The total in the game is seventy three. Of course they're going to score. But you know who else is going to score? Fresno State. Jake Hayner has thrown for 737 yards, completing 75% of his passes in the first two games. Jordan Mims has rushed for 195 yards. This offense is equipped to go toe-for-toe with USC. Last week against Oregon State, Jake Hayner and Fresno State were losing. They needed a touchdown to take the lead. There was a minute 50 left in the game when they got the ball on their own 25-yard line. They go 75 yards in five plays in 45 seconds to score the go-ahead touchdown. Yes, their defense wound up giving up the game-winning touchdown in the next possession, but they can score quick, and USC is going to take leads. They might even go up two scores, but Fresno's never going to go away. Last week, it was Fresno State's first loss against the Pac-12 in their last seven games. They're 6-1 ATS against the Pac-12 in their last seven times, including last year's upset win at the Rose Bowl against uh, UCLA when Jake Hayner and Dorian Thompson-Robinson went back and forth. I think that's going to happen again here. I don't, I'm not saying Fresno's going to win this thing outright, but they're never going to go away. USC could be up by 18 points going into the last minute of the game, and Jake Hayner is going to lead this offense down the field to score a touchdown. They are not going to sit on the ball. They're not going to run a clock out. They're not going to take knees. So in a game where I'm getting double-digit points with an offense that's capable of scoring every time they touch the football, I'll take it. I don't hate this, and I, I told you last week when we were, I think before the uh, the, before the games kicked off, I, I said let's let's look to fade USC when they play against an offense that can – put up some points on mm-hmm. it because I, I think I mean you, you're right USC is going to put up points in every game but their defense I don't think is very good and I, I was talking about week one when there was like the sustained drives against USC and it's like this shouldn't be happening uh, I, I don't I don't trust their defense and if for, I told you this game was 45-35 that's, that sounds about right Fresno State covers yeah so, yeah, I'm with you on this one. I, I endorse this one. Uh, I'm going to fade an S- or a Pac-12 team here as well. BYU plus four at Oregon. And this one's weird for me because I – and maybe I'm a fool, and maybe I'll have egg on my face and just have to make a total adjustment to my power ratings. But I, I've got BYU rated, rated ahead of Oregon, just slightly, but I've got them rated ahead. So now I, I'm getting outside a field goal on the road. I know Oregon's a, it's a tough place to go play. I get it, but – I'm getting outside a field goal. I, that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. I thought maybe BYU would struggle to be balanced with Tyler Algier gone. I, I was wrong. Uh, they are very balanced. They have thrown the ball well. They've run the ball. They're just under 200 rushing yards per game. But I think most importantly, their defense has been super solid. 284 yards per game on defense. Baylor averaged 4.9 yards per pass, just 2.9 yards per rush last week. 
BYU did a hell of a job in that game. Uh, and listen, I don't think BYU is going to smack Oregon round in the trenches the way Georgia did. That's not how BYU's built. They don't have that level of athlete. But I think they're going to make Bo Nix work in some long passing downs. And if you've watched enough college football and Bo Nix in third and seven, mm-hmm. you're in good shape. Yeah, you're in good shape here. So if if BYU can can force some some third and and mediums even. I think they're in really great shape in this game. Getting four points for against an Oregon team that, let's face it, it we, they proved that they are not elite in the Georgia game. They proved nothing to me in that Eastern Washington game. Beating yeah, up on an, FC, not, yeah. uh, on an FCS team doesn't prove anything. BYU, I, I think you like they dog-stomped South Florida, uh, which I didn't see coming, but it happened. Mm-hmm. And then for them to go and, and beat be, uh, a pretty solid, pretty well-respected Baylor team, yep. They've proven something to me. Oregon has not. So uh, until that changes, I love getting points here. BYU plus four at Oregon. Yeah, looking for uh, that New Year's Six Bowl bid. Yeah. As the highest ranked. Oh, you win this? You're in the driver's seat. Absolutely. Absolutely. You win this game. I mean, they're already number 12 in the nation. Yeah. And all they got to do is finish top 12. So uh, there's definitely uh, a possibility there. BYU getting a New Year's Six Bowl game. This team looks really good through two weeks. All right, I'm going with a big favorite. Ole Miss laying 16 at Georgia Tech. This is one where if the contest shows me a 15 and a half, I'm thrilled. If the contest shows me a 16 and a half, I'm not thrown off. Because, you know, if it's under 17, I'm happy, right? 17 is kind of like that key number if you want to throw a key number out there, if that even is. But this is such a talent mismatch offensively. Lane Kiffin's gone back and forth between Jackson Dart and Luke Altmaier at quarterback. He's kind of doing what Jim Harbaugh did, where he started each of them for for each game. They both look great. They present challenges for the Georgia Tech defense that they're not going to be able to handle. We saw the way Georgia Tech uh, allowed Clemson to just you know drive on them in the second half of that game. The receiving options are elite. Jonathan Mingo had a huge game last week. Tight end Michael Trigg is a big-body red zone threat for Ole Miss. Offensively, 471 yards per game, 43 points per game in the first two games. Defensively, though, they've only allowed 13 points in two games. There's a ton of transfers on the defensive unit. And Lane Kiffin said even the transfers are still getting used to all of them. But Jeff Sims wasn't good last week against Western Carolina, and he wasn't much better against Clemson. So... If Ole Miss has more firepower than Clemson, they're going to put up 40-plus points. Defensively, they're going to be able to contain Georgia Tech. And this is my favorite aspect of this handicap. With Lane Kiffin playing both quarterbacks, if let's say Jackson Dart gets the start. That rhymes. And he comes out of the game and Ole Miss is up 10. Or they're up 13 or 14 or whatever. You think Luke Altmaier is just going to sit on the football? No. You think you think Lane Kiffin is going to call a conservative play call, play call a drive to just milk the clock and run the game out? No. He's going to give his other quarterback an opportunity to show him something. So the play calling through for the whole game is going to be aggressive and trying to score so Kiffin can evaluate both of his quarterbacks. And whenever you have an, one backup trying to come in and impress and score to earn playing time over the 
guy who's the shared starter with him, I think it's a recipe to cover a big number like this. I don't disagree. I, and I actually like that the, theory about the quarterback. So I, I could see them pulling away from this thing as well. So I, I, I like that pick. Uh, for my, I guess this is my last one, huh? Yeah. Miami plus five and a half at Texas A&M. Yes. A&M's pissed off. <laughs> They're angry. They're motivated. Blah, blah, blah. You know what that doesn't, doesn't do anything for? Your offense stinks. Jimbo Fisher is a dinosaur. And it's pretty clear all the recruits, all the five stars in the world can't make chicken salad out of this. Mm. I, it is, it, it's awful. Think about this. Appalachian State, <laughs> North Carolina put up 567 yards of offense on them. Texas A&M saw them the next week, 186 yards. Oof. Under 100 passing yards. Under 100 rushing yards against an against a defense that just got shredded by North Carolina. Mm-hmm. This offense is a joke, and it, they the game that they won against Sam Houston State, 31 nothing is the final. I got news that was a dogfight game, and it, it, this is it's Miami's defense returned a ton. Nearly everything on that side of the ball. And listen, they haven't faced great competition yet, but at least they've dominated the bad teams that they mm-hmm. faced, unlike Texas A&M. Uh, Frank Gore Jr., who against Liberty week one had 5.6 yards per carry, he ran for 10 yards on seven attempts against Miami last week. They shut it <laughs> down. Uh, and then, again, last week for A&M, one offensive touchdown. One <sighs> against Appalachian State. In fact, of the... Five Aggie touchdowns, offensive touchdowns through two games. Only one of them didn't come via explosive play. All of their touchdowns are coming on big broken plays. And who's it against? Appalachian State and Sam Houston State. Mm -hmm. Teams that don't have anything close to NFL talent. Miami's much better equipped to stop the explosiveness than the first two opponents. I think this is a pretty low-scoring game. I think A&M's defense is fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think Miami, it, at least they're going to come with something original on offense. Getting five and a half points on this Texas A&M. And, and uh, here's another, people are going to disagree. Okay, I've got Miami power rated ahead of A&M. Uh, I, I think they are a better team. Van Dyke was a, a yeah, under- better at the quarterback position for sure. Oh, yeah, world's not, better not at quarterback. Yeah. But Van Dyke was under some pressure last week. He'll be under some pressure this week, I'm sure. Uh, but it, so far, he seems poised. He doesn't seem like a big mistake guy. A&M, just, there's just nothing there. It is uh, Like I say, dinosaur football. It's not built to win mm-hmm. against modern college football teams. Uh, give me Miami plus five and a half. You know why I like this even even more is because this, yes, it's a, it's a game against a, a number 13 team in the nation in Miami, but next week is the SEC opener for Texas A&M against top 10 Arkansas. Yeah. You think A&M is just happy to get out of here with a win and just survive against Miami? I, it, I got news for you. They might I think lose, A&M's, yeah. A&M's going to be happy to get out of every game with a win yeah. going forward. Like, I think this Appalachian State team was a real it was more, it was a real measuring stick of what they are and why somehow we all were like and and I shouldn't say we all because I I was like A&M is not the uh, one of the mm-hmm. 10 best teams in the country. How can they be one of the 10 best teams in the country with this quarterback, Haynes King? Yeah. Uh, how can it be? And with Jimbo Fisher calling plays for this kid. 
it doesn't make sense to me. I think now we've seen that. I mean, when's the next time A&M's going to be favored? How, how, like, are they gonna, they're not going to be favored against Arkansas, I don't think, especially if they lose this game. Mm-hmm. And if they are, it's going to be a slight favorite. Then they're at Mississippi State, at Alabama. I mean, it, it's it's going to be it's a tough road for these Aggies, I think. I, I'm, yeah. I'm looking to fade them, especially fade them as favorites. So give me Miami here. I, I I like this one quite a bit. All right. I got one more. Oh, you yep. got one more. Yeah, because you oh, went first. I went first. I you forgot. First. Uh, I'm going to go Memphis laying 14. And this is another one that's on that tricky number. Yeah, is because it be 14, the line, 13 and a half or 14 the, the line was 13 and a half, and now 14s are on the board, which makes me think that when the contest comes out, it's going to be 14 and a half. I don't think I'm worried about it, though. Okay. It's the paint bucket bowl. You ever hear of that? I've never heard of it until you told me that. Yeah, it's a made up thing. I believe Arkansas State and Memphis rivalry is called the paint bucket bowl. <laughs> uh, last season, these two teams played a back and forth fifty five fifty shootout that Memphis won. A then freshman, true freshman Seth Hennigan threw for four hundred and seventeen yards and five touchdowns in that game. He's going to do it again. Arkansas State's defense is just. Terrible. Their pass defense specifically. Terrible. They got torched. And look, it's Ohio State. 370 yards and four touchdowns through the air against Ohio State. It's fine. But Seth Hennigan, um, after a tough loss to a much better Mississippi State team, bounced back 415 yards and two scores against Navy. They spread the ball around. And they're not afraid to throw it down the field. Hennigan is already connected this year on passes of 50, 41, 43, and 79 yards. In two games, he's averaging 9.1 yards per completion. When they throw the ball, they're going to get a first down. Uh, Arkansas State can score offensively behind James Blackman, the former Florida State transfer, but Mississippi, uh, excuse me, Memphis is going to do a better job at causing pressure, at causing you know some havoc here. They're going to get into the backfield. He's going to make mistakes, Blackman. And I, I hate to bring this up, but I think it's important to note that this is Memphis's home opener. And the city of Memphis has been dealing with some tragedy over the past couple of weeks. Ryan Silverfield talked about, the head coach talked about how important this game is for the community. We all know the role that sports play in providing a much-needed distraction and hopefully joy for a community. And I'm looking for this city to come together behind this team like they always do, Memphis is 11-2 and two at home in the last two seasons. Think about that. 11-2 and two at home. This is a rivalry game against a bad defensive team. It's the first major event in the community since the tragic events that occurred a week ago. I think that they rally around this, this city. I think the city rallies around the team. And it's going to be a celebratory night or day at the Liberty Bowl, and Memphis wins big. I when I when I did a little not power rating, but like when I handicapped this game, and and just made the spread myself, I thought Memphis was going to be a twenty point favorite against Arkansas State. When I saw thirteen and a half, and then ultimately fourteen, I was like, I got to jump on this before it gets to fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this at fourteen. I'm a little nervous at fourteen and a half. The other thing I'm nervous about is will this game be one of the thirty games? That's you know, that, that, a this is the, I think of the eight games we picked today. Mm-hmm. This is the only one that's got a question mark by it. 
Okay, I, I, I'm BYU, Oregon, Miami, Texas, Texas A&M, Colorado, Minnesota, yeah. Cal, Notre Dame are all going to be yes. on there. I think all yours with th- this one being the one question mark. I'm just the, the Memphis and Navy were a game that was on the board last week. But like we said, there's no rhyme or reason to which one of these small games they're going to put mm-hmm. on here. But it's a it's a seven o'clock Eastern time game, so it's a prime time game. Um, four o'clock Pacific time. It is an ESPN plus game. So it's not a nationally yeah. televised game because let's see, the nationally televised games are at that time at four o'clock. We got, ooh, let's see. Akron. No, we have uh, ESPN two Texas tech, NC state at four o'clock. You have ABC, Michigan state, Washington, you have the SEC Network, Florida and South Florida. ESPNU has Western Michigan Pitt, Big Ten Network, Nevada, Iowa, FS1, SMU, Maryland. And then the um, ESPN game at 6 o'clock is, or at 9 o'clock is Miami, Texas. Well, I can tell you, I'm going to be watching Nevada, Iowa. Yeah, I mean. That's a lie. But got to watch it. <laughs> Okay. Uh, one other thing we found out, by on, the way, I hope it's on the contest uh, on the on the contest sheet. I really do. One thing we we found out about the contest is there's going to be no weekday games. So the the sheet comes out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That means we, no Friday games, which is probably best for us anyway because we can submit you know as close to close to kickoff as possible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. So no weekday games available, which is why luckily Central Florida didn't make the the card mm-hmm. uh, last week. And listen, we Boy, got what an embarrassing effort, huh? The penalties were just unbelievable. They had two touchdowns called back to penalty for penalties. And we listen, we were lucky in a way last week that all the games that we replaced that we used as late replacements, they, won. they all won. I yeah. think they were we were three and zero in those games. Um, so it, it ended up working out our way. I, I don't know if it always works out that way. I mean, we've got our minds kind of made up on some things, and then. When you get there and you say, "Oh, it's not on the sheet," well, we got it. We've got to have some backup mm-hmm. plan, and it's good for me to know we've got to have some backup options. I've already got some in mind for this week. Yeah, I got so one in mind uh, too. so I, I think we're in good shape. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for oh, totals. Oh, we got yeah. What am I thinking? Totals, to- baby. Totals, totals have been money too, by the way. Uh, I, I'll go first here too, and I'm going to go with Liberty Liberty Bibbity at Wake Forest <laughs> over sixty two and a half. Ooh, the Sam Hartman show looked like it did not skip a beat no. last week. And Wake, what here's what I love about Wake Forest. They will hurt your feelings. If they can't <laughs> if they can put up a hundred, they'll put up a hundred. And if you look at Liberty's past defense numbers, you go, oh, that, that looks pretty decent. Well, then you remember that that was against a Southern Miss team that was dealing with quarterback injuries, a UAB team that couldn't throw the ball. Liberty doesn't like to go fast. But we saw last week with Salter, they're willing to take more risks. And once they get behind in this game, and they will get behind in this game, this Wake Forest offense is going to put up points. I think that has to be the game plan. So I think they'll take more risks, which will either lead to points or turnovers that lead to more Wake Forest points. I think Wake gets into the 40s easy. I think this sails over 62 and a half. Uh, I'll go Houston, Kansas over 58. Uh, Kansas has lit up the scoreboard in the Respect first Respect the Kansas offense. Yeah. Come on. 55.5 points per game in their first two games. That's It's been great. Look at what Jalen Daniels did last week against uh, West Virginia. 
and then also look at what West Virginia did against this Kansas defense, right? 355 yards and three touchdowns through the air. Um, Houston also, as great as their defensive front is, right? Sack Avenue, they're third in the nation in sacks, but their secondary has been giving up a ton of chunk plays. It's the chunk plays that beat them. It's not the grinded out, you know, three yards, cloud of dust, third and third and three, and then get a seven-yard completion. No, it's the 17-yard completion. It's the 23-yard completion. That's what's beating Houston, and Kansas can do it. But I also think that Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Dell are going to score. I'm, I'm, I'm calling Clayton Toon for nearly 400 yards of passing and four touchdowns in this game. So I'll go Houston and Kansas over 58. All right, I am hoping for a five and three week. Another six and two. I want to be stoked, but five and three is what sixty three percent going eight and zero, bro. Eight and oh boy. Well, that's a that's a big hope. I Man. want our name to be at the top of that standings list after two weeks. I want people to look up and see pregame on there. I wouldn't be mad. I'm not gonna lie. But like I said, five and three or better. I'm going to be very, very happy. All right, one more bout of business that we've got to get into here. I'm going to try to save you some money. Pregame.com, that is the the place to go. And I got the hookup for you here, guys. CFB 20, 20% off for listeners of this college football podcast only. Good for seven days from release. And there's lots of options when you go there. I mean, you could get Scott's season-long access. You could get my season-long access. You could get my season-long access combined with Fezzik's NFL season-long access, which is a big seller there. 20% off of that. Yeah, 20% off. Uh, So 20% off everything uh, at pregame.com. And all you need to do is use that code CFB20, and that's good from seven days after you uh, you hear this pod, so jump in on it, guys. I am uh, I, I'm off to a good start in college football. I, I I was nine and four on my premium plays last week, so nice. it was a, a, a nice uh, a nice day for that. Yeah, I went four and one on Saturday, so yeah. So I mean, listen, there's you're leaving money on the table, and now we're saying, hey, get it for twenty percent off. Why wouldn't you do it? Uh, go to pregame.com. Use that promo code CFB. 20 the number two zero all right that will do it for this episode uh hope you guys get to the window and like i said follow us on twitter you'll get the the latest uh on what our card does when we have to submit uh so and and someone was saying are you worried about posting your picks and then people using the same picks as you listen if we get to that if we get to the end game if there's two or three weeks and we got a chance to to win some money. We we may not give out everything. Uh, and that and we're, also that we're putting on the card. Last week we tweeted out on Friday night. I'm sure a lot of people already had their picks in. This week we might tweet it out on Saturday morning. So get ready to put in your plays on Saturday morning. And by that time, everyone's contest picks should be in. You know, because yeah. we're gonna wait. So. Yep. So uh, that's the deal. We're, we'll if we're if we're looking at the money at the end, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right now, we're trying to help everybody win. That is the game plan. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys' support, telling your friends. And we will talk to you next week for the week four. Get a lot of conference action next week. I am stoked for week four. That's what now we're getting big boy on big boy crime almost every week. That's what I love to see. We'll talk to you next week.
Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We got to out-block them. We got to out-tackle them. We got to out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them, you out-tackle them, you out-hit them, and you out-hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.